Welcome to the Purple Rock Survivor Podcast. I am John, Johnny Twitter memes, Johnny Typing Fingers, the mayor of Icetown, the John Carrier of Derriere, and my co-host is Andy. And Andy, we've got the band back together. It's been weeks since I have discussed Survivor with you, at least in a public format. How's it going? It's good. It's good to have the A-team on the back on the air. The, the, the dream team. The, you know, it's nice to have you. The, the Pippin to my Jordan. I feel like you're struggling to name our alliance, and that's just, that's not a place we should go. Also, I feel like the Pippin to the Jordan isn't quite accurate for our dynamic. What I really need to find is somebody who passes the ball a lot to the guy who is actually good. So you're more like the Lou to my DeMarcus. <laughs> <laughs> See, I thought you were going to go with something more like I'm I'm the Rodman that it just gets your rebounds. That's really all you want me there for. You're Tony Kukoc. Hey, uh, I'm surprised we've gotten this far without making some reference to borrowing a jacket. But I think part of that is like, do you own a jacket, John? Um, I actually do not. I do have like a windbreaker. Does that count? I'm sure Angelina would have gone for it. You know what? Beggars can't be choosers. And she certainly is that. So, yes, you're right. This this episode did center around some jacket drama, and it was refreshingly entertaining. I, I was very amused. The final minute or two of this episode was just the chef's kiss fantastic. I'm assuming you felt the same. It was like an ending to a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode, right? <laughs> like... It was so great. Like, I don't know, a lot of people were going crazy over the, you know, her standing up and asking Natalie for her jacket. And honestly, when I was watching that, I was kind of like, whatever, like, what do you, whatever, Angelina. I know she does it again. You start like, you know, like, oh man. And then the third time is what just made it perfect. <laughs> it's like, Natalie? Natalie? Uh, and that, that's when it was just, it was art. Yes, it, it transcends, it's the, the, the sideshow bop thing. Like, after the fourth or fifth time of getting hit in the face of the rake, you're like, yes, I'm on board with this. Let's just ride this thing out. And so then, the clincher for me, of course, is the producers did the best possible thing. This is why they're true pros. They had Natalie wear the jacket to give her final words, and it's just, bravo, guys. You, you've done an excellent job. Yeah, there's no way that they didn't say, hey, can you put the jacket on? And exactly. I'm sure Natalie was all for that. Uh, yeah, no, it was just, it was fantastic. Just, just uh, and, and I think made better by the revelation that I believe you suspected in the moment that, you know, Angelina was just trying to suck up to get the jacket. She never intended to save Natalie. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was, it was pretty clear to me. I assume it was equally clear to Natalie. <laughs> because for all Natalie's faults, I, I do kind of think that she can at least see through some bullshit. Yeah, not her own or how people yeah, I mean, are necessarily exactly. responding to it, but something that's transparent as getting up and giving her the hug to the person that you've um, not been super close with. Yeah, no, that was it was just great. And uh, it's a thing we will be talking about forever. This is a matter of survivor lore at this point, but it wasn't just uh, relegated to tribal council. Like tribal council was, you know, the climax. It was, you know, the, the funniest part of it, but it is kind of interesting of how the whole jacket business was driving, uh, seemingly potentially driving Angelina's decision-making. Yeah. And you assume that this is just like a, um, 
throwaway line or something like that. But no, it was actually backed up with additional confessionals and scenes of people trying to bully each other for jackets. Like, this was a running thread of jacket extortion, and I I was all for it. It was something we have not seen in the thousands of seasons of Survivor that exists. Yeah, and quickly, I guess for some people that didn't see, like... Uh, Angelina has confirmed that she was indeed uh, intending for Natalie to go home and was just sucking up for the coat. And for people to be like, yeah, people lie in post that they released a, a bonus scene. Like it, it is canon on the island. She talked about like, yeah, I'm voting Lursa, but really I want Natalie to go. I just want to get her jacket. So it was a real thing. And that makes it so much better. Uh, because, uh, I guess bravo for trying. So those of you that watched that, that was Angelina's, best acting job that is the woman who uh can get out of tickets and get discounts for her meals and frankly uh what does this whole jacket business say about angelina what what impression does it help form for you uh, assuming that you know which one she is by this point yes i i've finally latched on to which one she is um it really helps that natalia is gone as funny and ridiculous as it was i mean why not take a shot like, if she doesn't ask, she's not going to get it. So it was, it was at least worth the attempt, but it was fun just to be the audience and watch that, that puppy dog act as she was trying to buddy up to Natalie after two plus weeks of like, at best indifference towards Natalie. Yeah, I suppose you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take, Wayne Gretzky, Michael, Michael Scott. Scott. Uh, but yeah, so I guess you know can't you know, hurt to try. That's probably uh, a necessary thing for somebody who is able to negotiate and troll for discounts and stuff. Is just recognizing that uh, shame has no place here. We need to have it, and uh, I think it just does kind of set up Angelina. Especially when you mix in like her reaction to the Jeremy thing and the way that she talked about she's used to getting her way as um not a little bit entitled. Uh and this part I do want to be fair, um it kinda sucks that she doesn't have a jacket and so I kinda get that she's cold. And it's oh and she doesn't have a jacket because the producer survivor don't want us to see her wearing one. Right, exactly. Because as a pretty girl she is not given a jacket because we want to see the attractive people in less clothing. So the penalty for being attractive, long ago discussed by Jenna back in the Amazon, it's it's come to fruition in later seasons. Yes, uh, she was a game changer. So I, yeah, I, I get wanting it. And actually, I almost like this whole like view into this. This kind of shows how... Uh, it's like for them out there and how they can get fixated on like the smallest little uh, things. Although again, you know, being able to be somewhat warm from the elements might not be the smallest thing, but how like base and Craven, the experience kind of make you where, you know, she, I think would have, if like Natalie could have procured her Lursa's coat, I'm sure she would have voted Lursa out. Like, I think that's where she was at, even though I'm not sure Lursa's, jacket would have fit Angelina that well. Like there seems to be a pretty significant size difference there. Yeah, but if nothing else, you can double it over. I'm I'm really just kind of distracted here by the fact that you've done an exceptionally good job of butchering multiple names of cast members this season. Lyrsa, there was Kara in last week's episode, who you call Kara. I'm not convinced you're right about that. That's a word that can be pronounced both ways, and time will tell. Uh, I mean, if you, if you want to take her own pronunciation of her name as canon... <laughs> 
Has she said her own name? Does she speak in the third person? Come on, please. And you're right, I am getting the incredibly uh, common in North American name of Lyrsa wrong. I should know that. I've certainly experienced it before this season of Survivor. I'm just saying, let Lyrsa, Kara, and Natalia. What, Natalia isn't an acceptable alternative? (laughs) So close. I guess the uh, pronunciation of names is, is not big up in Canada. Um, we have like three names up here, and we just call everybody Buddy and Guy. And Gord. <laughs> Gord's the third name. I guess right. Alanis. You guys can probably all pronounce that one by now. Well, you can't, because it's not Alanis. What? Alanis! Alanis? Yes. I feel like I'm going to need an um, impartial judge to rule on this one. It no. it feels like it should be Alanis. You also don't think you have an accent, and boy, is that not true. Although Matt, really, like you can hear the Philly in him all the time. Uh, getting back to Angelina and her sense of entitlement, is that kind of the sense you're getting that they're kind of building her up as a bit of a uh, huffy princess? Uh, type? Yes, exactly. And I think that's sort of what they're laying down, and and I'm enjoying it. Um, I mean, if if, if you're going to put her on the Goliath tribe, you want that kind of personality in there somewhere, right? Like, that needs to be at least one of the Goliaths. Yeah, I mean, this is what casting has to do, is, like, they don't necessarily cast people like, oh, she's going to be great, or this is like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a personality type. So, yes, a lot of people who get on these shows are, you know, diluted in some ways, or, you know, have significant flaws, and I think this would be hers, is that she's probably somebody who expects things to go a certain way for her, and, you know, that reveals itself in a, I... I'm entitled to somebody's coat. Procure one for me. Uh, and so I think, yeah, I think that's the thread that we will be seeing for the rest of her time here. Uh, I guess, uh, for somebody that doesn't have any rest of time, I guess we should start talking about Natalie herself because sticking with the jacket thing, uh, I gotta say, uh, that's an interesting move of, uh, that's a real nice jacket you got there. What do you think about saying here? <laughs> that was... It'd be a shame if something were to happen to it. it... It was fantastic. Um, I like that there was basically no subtlety to it. It was, it was delivered in the most Natalie of ways. Um, <clears throat> quick diversion here. Speaking of casting, there was a Probst interview. I don't even remember who it was with, but he was talking about the casting of Natalie and he said that he hesitated that he actually did not want to cast her because he felt like she was such an easy and obvious first boot and really makes me question the man's instincts because they always cast easy and obvious first boots at least get one that's interesting like natalie was like if if nothing else she'll give you one episode of entertainment you know why cast some dud in her place that maybe stands a chance of making it eight episodes in but will give you two confessionals along the way because maybe she doesn't get that because she just is you know the reason she's voted out has nothing to do with her Nataliness. She's not even able to really establish her Nataliness. It's just she's voted out for all the reasons why, if you were looking at, you know, the pictures of this cast, you would assume she'd be voted out. So that might be it. It's like, why, like, she's gonna be a fantastic character, but she'll never get the chance. I could see that being kind of the line, the line of thinking. Uh, now, as it turns out, if she had gotten voted out in the first episode, yeah, she had more than enough time to establish her Nataliness, even in those three days, but it was like, you know, what's the 
point if she's never going to bloom. And, you know, he was wrong. And that's, and, you know, that's why he's not the only decision maker there. Yeah. Uh, to his credit, he did own up to the fact that he was wrong on that one. So good on him. But anyway, back to Natalie. Um, you had said that you were figuring that this Natalie thing only had so many more places it could go. And it seemed like it would be a good time for her to leave. Were you sad to see her go? Or did you feel like, yep, I was right. This, this is the time. Uh, more than even just this is a time, I was very happy that this was the time. I was beyond ready for her to go. And, you know, bravo to the construction of the episode for doing that. I feel like once you start, you know, trying to blackmail minor, you know, people, uh, with less power, you know, perceived power anyway, than you in the game, uh, over their stuff, that's starting to push more into, like, this person's just a complete asshole. It's not, like, I will say for this episode, until, you know, the jacket thing, which was, frankly, less her than Angelina, uh, it, it, it had stopped being fun for me. It was just like, now, like, imagine if she was, you know, a dude doing all this. Like, yeah, her attitude was, like, not even a tenth of the what people pretend Andrew Savage's attitude is. So yeah, I, I was, uh, I was ready for her to go. How about yourself? Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed the ride and, you know, as I said, those final words in that jacket were A plus. So it was, it was the perfect send off for her. That, that arc was beautiful. It ended in the place it needed to. There maybe was a little bit left in her, but I know it's, I'd rather she leave too soon than stick around and tarnish the legend, you know? So I'm, I'm fine with it. Yeah. And there's just certain behaviors, especially now that I'm less, uh, likely to find enjoyable if they continue to be rewarded. And now obviously this is a show with a weird, you know, reward structure and all of that. And it's a competition, but you know, uh, then there's real life. And it's just like, uh, at a certain point, I wouldn't want to see Natalie fail her way upwards. I mean, obviously it was never going to be to a win, but it could be enough to like, you know, I'm going to, you know, imperiously vote out, you know, more likable people, that sort of thing, which could certainly happen were she to make a merge. Because uh, at that point, it's just how long can you live with her? But ultimately, I think the answer uh, was always going to be not that long because <laughs> that that's what this vote was all about. Yeah. And the fun thing about this, and this kind of leads into something that we tend to discuss when people get voted out anyway, is was this the right move? I mean, how can it not be? Only because, as you mentioned, the rest of that Goliath tribe had lived with her. No one is going to see on the next, you know, challenge mat, Natalie gone and be like, oh man, how could you? They all know how you could. Yeah. Um, I'll say here, I think it was the right move for Mike. He was, you know, if he feels like he can't live with her and continue to play with her, he's right. He probably could not. And also because he got to initiate these discussions and be the one to give hope to, you know, Nick and Leersa. Um, they'll probably, he's probably cool. He's in with them. It's all fine. I'm not sure this is the right move for Angelina. Ultimately, it might not have been much for a choice if Mike was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Then, yeah. You just try to get a jacket out of the deal, but you know whether it's the right move or not will all depend on whether this tribe goes to tribal council next week. If it goes to tribal council next week and Angelina goes home, then I would say this absolutely was the wrong decision. And it's one of those where you might need to live with Natalie for three more days, even throw the next challenge if you need to get rid of her. But, you know, um, the balance of power has shifted away from Angelina if it ever was in her hands in the first place. Yeah, I don't know that she had the power to control this vote anyway. I mean, it was it was going to be Mike and Lyrsa and Nick. So 
at best, she hoped to play that Sixers role, you know, grab a second round pick out of it. She wasn't going to get her way. So, yeah, I, I don't know that it's necessarily a bad move for her because I don't think it was a move for her. She couldn't have done anything to prevent it, I don't think. So, um well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, you know, yeah, maybe she couldn't have, and obviously, you know, we never know all the things. Uh, there was kind of seemed to be a bit of a hesitancy of Mike of maybe not wanting to go it alone on this one. Uh, so maybe if she had insisted a little more, I mean, when she insisted that Jeremy goes home, Mike votes, obviously, though he had no power in that decision. But the other thing is, if you know that Natalie is going to be this problem, you don't let Mike scoop you in the forming of this new alliance. You know, you make it seem more like it is your move. And, you know, again, we don't know that she didn't, except the fact that, of course, she did not vote for Natalie. So there is that. You know, it all depends on what her relationships with Lyrsa and Nick would be. Because, yeah, if you can't uh keep Natalie, and I'm not advocating at all that, you know, what she should have done is... uh help uh, smooth things over so Natalie didn't piss people off so much. That is an impossible task. That is like saying she should have held off the cyclone that hit them. Even Sisyphus would rather take on that task. Yeah, but she might have gotten scooped here. So if she goes next week, then, you know, all of this was a fail. And frankly, it probably follows back to her initial uh, decision that might have been poor, which is uh maybe you should have voted her out instead of Jeremy. Like, I feel like, yeah, as difficult, uh, oh, there were many reasons to get rid of Jeremy. But if Jeremy was on this tribe, it would have been a David going home. Yeah, I mean, just looking at this tribe, it doesn't look like she really has any strong relationships, I think. The alliance with Mike is one of convenience. I don't see them as really bonded. And there definitely didn't seem to be a strong bond with Natalie. She voted against Lyrsa. And we haven't really seen her interact with Nick. So I don't feel like she's got a whole lot of room to maneuver in this group. So her best bet is probably just, eh, well, it's not me. That's, I guess, going to have to work. And then now she's going to have to hope that they don't lose the next challenge because... It might be her. Yeah. In which case, you know, losing that shield to Natalie is really bad. Maybe you should have fought Mike harder. Like, we can't do this. I understand you really want to. I really want to. I want to do it for a while. But if we do this now, one of us goes home next. Is that what you want? And maybe Mike would be like, hey, as long as it's you, I don't care. But you know, <laughs> right. You no, I'm pretty sure it is you, actually. <laughs> um, but that might be, you might need to fight for something because it really might be you. Either that or, you know, win a challenge. Um, all right, let's, I think we've kind of, it's, you've been a much bigger fan of Natalie. I just want to, you know, have you said your piece, uh, on what, you know, she provided to the show? Yeah. I mean, for such an early boot, she gave you about as much as you can get. Um, like I said, she had a great narrative, you know, a thread that ran through several episodes. You knew what you were going to get with Natalie. She delivered and then she left. Perfect. That's all I need. Just deliver me entertainment with the amount of people that apply for this show and the amount of people that they go out and try to recruit. It shouldn't be that hard to find someone like Natalie to get on the show. And I'm glad they did it this time. I hope they continue to do that. I mean, I'll challenge. It shouldn't be that hard necessarily to find people that uh, provide different entertainment values. There might not be that many Natalies. You know, it's, it's a fairly unique presence, which I think is what made her so interesting. That and, is you know, I think seeing people bounce off of her is, I think, the you know, the biggest uh, you know, thing that she added. The Just 
sheer, you know, like, what the, is this really happening kind of reaction we get from people. And I think there weren't really many other of those to happen, uh, left to happen. Obviously, there are people who have yet to interact with her, but it would be more of the same. So I agree, uh, you know, maximized her efficiency as a character on TV. All right. So let's go back to the start of the episode. Uh, the orange tribe gets back from tribal council. Kara, I'm saying that and I don't care, uh, was blindsided. And then she has to do some uh, damage control. What did you think of that? I even tweeted about how impressed I was. I, I think after getting or being on the wrong side of that vote, she showed about as much composure as you could possibly muster. Um, she rationally communicated with Alec and was like, oh, no, 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 buddy. It's, it's cool. She left open the possibility that she'd work with him again. And then also approached the others and was like, just so y'all know. I am very down to switch to your side. I'm so betrayed. So she's laying the groundwork that she can, she'll have options. And I think she did that well. Like, I I think she actually will have options. I think people are going to be more willing to work with her because it's, I mean, it's a legitimate thing to think like, oh yeah, she must feel betrayed. Of course she'd come work with us. And that other side is probably not super close to Alec. They just needed his vote. Yeah, I was super impressed as well. Yeah, you know, from the get go, as soon as she started talking to Alec, she took the time that you know they force you into you know vehicles where you have to be silent after tribal council to get there, and she shook it off. And it's just like, okay, yeah, no, buddy, no problems. We're good. We're good. Everything was fine. I totally understand. You should have just talked to me. You know. And yeah, you made that big move. Yeah, big guy. Yeah, like just giving him everything he needed, and then immediately throwing him under the bus. Yeah, you know, the you know the if. It, this doesn't work for her. It will only be because she showed how good she is and spooked people. But you know, in terms of you know, a raw situation, taking a you know a raw deal, she recovered about as well as you know I've seen on the show. Yeah, exactly. And I think she has an existing. I don't know if it's a relationship necessarily, but there's at least some things that she bonded with Elizabeth about. So there's something there she could work with. And again. Those other two guys, I mean, I don't think they have a super tight bond with Alec. Why not just pick up Kara instead? So she, I think she's positioned herself pretty well. And like you said, if she goes home, uh, I don't know that you can fault her. I don't know that she could have done more than what she did. All right. So then uh, we have a reward challenge and we get, you know, chicken and we get eggs. So this wasn't all just about uh, debating outerwear. It was also debating uh, the shelf life of eggs. Uh, was Natalie right on this? Should they just boil all the eggs, or should we trust the culinary genius of Lyrsa? I was so impressed by the amount of egg talk that we got this week. It felt like some bizarre return to San Juan del Sur, where we were constantly talking about food. Except this was actually enjoyable. Had to get that in there. Um, by the way, did you know that while I was on my recent vacation, I actually stayed on a farm. I saw actual chickens laying actual eggs. Oh, yeah, you're an expert totally now. Exactly. I have now stayed on a farm, so I can say with some degree of certainty, I have no idea what <laughs> one should do with such eggs. Um, I'm generally not all that concerned with, like, foodborne bacteria. I'm like, ah, it'll cook out. I'm, like, an idiot, basically, and <laughs> just assume that nothing will go wrong. So... I would have just been like, yeah, I'll eat an egg today and an egg tomorrow. I'm good. Don't worry about it. Now, here's the other thing. That's for me, too. It's like, 
uh, one night is like, they're not going to last that long, whether she's right or wrong. It's like, we don't need them to last that long. We just don't need to have them all now. Because I'm not a big advocate of saving food on Survivor. You get food, you should eat it. Obviously, you know, rice is an exception. Beans, that sort of, you know, less perishable things that you get in bulk. But otherwise, you know, the food you eat now actually gives you the benefit of eating food. The food you save may never get eaten by you. Uh, so yeah, I, for me, it'd be like, yeah, we're going to do half now and half tomorrow. You know, slow your roll. Whether or not, you know, you know anything about eggs. And, you know, I am somebody who buys them from stores. I don't know a lot. Um, you know, thank you to all the you know livestock experts who have weighed in on this. I will say that I would trust somebody who, um, you know, says that they have training in food. Uh, but, of course, I'm not Natalie, who is somebody who assumes that she knows more than everybody and all things always. Uh, I'm just somebody who feels like he knows more about, like, Survivor than everybody always, including apparently people who've played it before. Um, so, so that's kind of where I was at the egg debate. It's just like, you know, there's reasons to uh, believe that they won't keep forever. You know, even if you just you know, count rot, uh, they are you know out in you know places where cyclones hit, and, you know, <laughs> extreme shifts of you know heat and water, and then there's you know animals out there that might want to try and take them from you. Although they they at least found a, like a box to put them in, but it's just like today and tomorrow. That's all. That's all we got to do. We need to save them for two days so we have meals twice. How about this? I'll decide what I want to do with my two eggs. Sorry, you want to eat two eggs right now, Natalie? Have at her. Have fun. uh, You can watch me eat an egg tomorrow, too. All right, so uh, the next thing we got going on in the episode was um, a newly named alliance. People are really excited about that. What the the hell? Why the trend with the naming of alliances? At least this one Nick was not involved in, um, which is a blessing. Uh, I mean, Nick set the bar nice and low, so it took very, very little for the, uh, George Bushy of Tushy to clear the, the naming hurdle for this one. Well, did he, did he come up with this, you think? Or do you think this was Dan's uh, idea? Um, was it Dan that, that claimed I, it? I thought, I thought I, John I, was saying that, uh, it, Brochachos was a thing he's thrown around before. I mean, maybe possibly, or, you know, John could have been like, I invented the term brochachos. Yeah. <laughs> this is me. That happened, you know, way back when I was, you know, ruling the, 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 the wrestling worlds or whatever. Back when I was a luchador. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I legit don't know. So yeah, either one of them. Uh, here's what I like about it is that it's clearly a move to make Christian feel, you know, like more like one of the guys. It's a, it's a simple move that you know, those with, you know, popularity or whatever can use with those that not like, Hey, don't worry, buddy. You're, you're one of us. It's like, you know, what, you know, Russell Hammond does in, uh, you know, Almost Famous with the kid, you know, it's just like, hey, every, you'll love us and now you'll write us a good story. So, you know, from that move of like making Christian feel as one of the group and thus somebody who they can work with, it works. Uh, what doesn't work about it is uh, you should avoid very publicly naming your alliance things that are obviously exclusionary to other people that are there. It's like how you don't want to use the three amigos because it doesn't ha- leave a lot of room for the other people. You probably shouldn't use gender-specific terms in front of, say, Gabby. Yeah, and obviously, you know, the greatest named alliance of all time is the Black Widows, but they didn't tell people that. Yeah, I mean, if you name yourselves the three amigos, it's not the three amigos plus Andrea. 
plus Gabby. That just although doesn't... ironically, the actual like what the uh, not the three amigos, but the three musketeers did have a fourth person. They did. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I guess if you wanted to draw from uh, literary history, it could work. It's just a bit of a stretch. Um, mm-hmm. I think you kind of tapped on something there that that I've I've suggested. I believe on this podcast before we've done so many episodes at this point. Who knows if I have or not, but there's very few things you can use as currency in this game. And I think Dan and John had the cool kids currency and for them, they can then buy Christians loyalty, affections, whatever by saying like, yeah, you're a bro. You're one of us. Christian can't do that. He's not a bro, but I think if, Christian were to say to someone else, like, you know, you're really smart. Like, that's his currency that he can give away. Like, if he has a, you know, skill set, a something to be desired that someone else doesn't have, but he can pretend that they do in the way that John and uh, Dan were pretending that Christian was a bro, that's useful. I think that works, and it certainly seemed like Christian just bought right in. Yeah, which, I mean, maybe he is playing along because he also wants them to feel like he's one of them. But, but you know, the thing about these dynamics, even sometimes when you see through it a bit, it still kind of works. Because people like hearing good things about themselves. So, and if it doesn't work, whatever. It was a shot. You're trying to build different relationships. But, yeah, I do think very much that Christian was feeling, you know, emboldened by it. Like, hey, cool. Hey, if it, even if it's just my strategy of the charm apocalypse is working. Uh, it, yeah, so, just... In that respect, and I think in that respect, naming it something as, you know, uh, aggressively male as Brochacho and, you know, somewhat ridiculous, but also kind of, you know, you know, symbolic of coolness works, right? Like, has Christian in his life ever been, you know, a bro before? Probably not. So that probably felt pretty cool to him, even if, you know, he ends up voting one of these dudes out uh, later in the season. Right. I mean, that's something that they can impart to him, and I think... That worked. That probably filled some void in Christian's, like, anxiety, social anxiety. It's like, oh, yeah, I- I'm fitting in. I'm one of the bros now, obviously. Gabby didn't quite feel that same love, though. No, and it's just kind of an extension from last week. And it's just like, that's how it can work for Christian. Like, hey, uh, and where she's like, how will I ever get along with these people? Now, in this sense, I'd feel like she was right to feel excluded, getting back to my earlier point. Yep. In that, unless they make, you know, brochacho, uh, clearly a gender neutral term, as, you know, we have made bro talk in another element of our life to be gender neutral. <laughs> um, Don't break slack code. No, I won't say what's going on there. I'm just saying that you do not need to have male genitalia to be a part of it. Um, yeah, I, and I don't believe they have. I don't think they've also welcomed Gabby into the Brochacho bond, or frankly, Allison for that matter. Right. Um, I think it's a little odd that Gabby, at least from what we've seen, hasn't been trying to form some kind of bond with Allison, at least. I mean, she feels that excluded by those other two guys. Why not maybe try to work that angle? I'm assuming it's gotta be happening and it's just, there's not a lot of success taking place there. Or it's the next story, as the previews have suggested. Uh, yeah, maybe also her initial reaction even to Allison is like, how could I ever compete with somebody so, I don't know, tall and, uh, successful or rich? I don't know. I mean, I don't really know much about Allison. She's a doctor and her comes from a family of doctors. Um, She's not a robot. 
No. And obviously, now that she's talked, she is marked for death because somebody who had disappeared in so many episodes of Survivor that who otherwise would have been integral to the plot is, can only be described as Purple Allison and not just, you know, it's early and there were other things going on. Um, so get kind of back to the Brochachos. Uh, just a moment that really stood out for me is, uh, how about Christian just like saying, John, I got this during the challenge? Oh, I loved it. I, I'm impressed with his, uh, his nerd confidence there. Like, no, 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 I, I got this. I've played Wii. <laughs> like, <laughs> he may as well have just said it. I assume that was what was going through his head. Like, oh yeah, I used to have the balance board and I, I could totally ace this. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, uh, he's deals with robots using like extension and things like you see, I don't know, TV, you know, when building some things or, you know, ro- remote control roboting. So he was ready, but I just, I loved the confidence of it of like, you know, sorry, man mountain, you gave it your best try. Now it's time for the closer to get in here. <laughs> and it worked. I mean, in fairness, I don't know that the man mountain was the most necessary look for that particular aspect of the challenge. Yeah, I mean, I do believe there's probably some value to upper body strength and be able to hold your arms, you know, up and, you know, manipulate something. I doubt it was, you know, physically uh, grueling. I doubt, you know, it was like, a, you know, elastic resistance training or anything <laughs> like that. But, you know, I could see, you know, a, a, a wimpier man's arms getting tired to the process. And John was doing all right until, you know, he reached the one element. Um, but, yeah, I just that moment really stood out for me. Um, so another thing that happened at that tribe is, uh, Dan found a second idol. That's, yeah. Um, I I tweeted this during the episode and I I think it's maybe time to start reevaluating whether it's too much of an advantage to have all the idols hidden in some sort of similar fashion like that. Like the fact that Dan could easily deduce, oh, I just need to look for X when obviously his tribe mates who don't have an idol would not know that same thing. I think the last time we had a situation where one person having two idols was really good for entertainment value was probably Kagayan. I mean, Jeremy had him in Cambodia. I don't think that really added a ton to that season. Yeah. He used it to save Steven in a way he wouldn't have if he didn't have a second one. So Probably. On yeah, I mean... It- Cambodia was the only other one where I was like, ah, maybe Cambodia. Um, I'm fine generally with the unfairness thing, as long as it's increasing entertainment value in some way. I'm just not convinced that this does anymore. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's an issue. And frankly, it's an issue that, uh, jukes the stats a bit that are, you know, people talk about, which is a legitimate issue, a legitimate problem of how the, and this season itself brought it up, the major imbalance between men and women is that, you know, if men already have an advantage in finding idols, and that's a, you know, discussion we're having. Although, frankly, a discussion that's not that useful for people who have never actually been out there on the island to do other than, you know, hypothesize. But the other problem that makes the imbalance is once a man finds it, he's also the most likely person to find it again. And that's the problem is like, I think the biggest unfairness isn't necessarily gender might be don't know um is previous experience of finding idols that season and they need to do something about that because i I agree it's generally not great when all the tools for success are you know 
located in one person, unless you happen to get lucky in who that person is. Uh, you want them out there. You'd want them divided amongst other people because you want them played. Frankly, when somebody has two, they have a tendency to hoard a bit as well, to the point even when, you know, they really shouldn't, James. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think just for, uh, forget fairness, just for an entertainment aspect, you should not make it so that the person who has previously found one will have an easier time. Now, interestingly, um, one time they did really try to switch up how idols were found, at least from one to another, was in Game Changers. So Ty had to find an idol in a very different way than a, like, I think the one previous that he had found on his beach, uh, to the point where people were like, well, that's not fair. This time he had to do it, you know, Everybody else was finding it, I don't know, on a tree or whatever, and he had to really dig. But then, of course, the very, then he goes to another tribe and got like another one, uh, in the same way. So it's just like, it is one of those things people will complain about one way or another because people really are anxious about things not feeling fair. And maybe, you know, one reason why they've wanted to keep some kind, some type of uniformity to it, besides just, you know, theme and all that is that, they don't want to be, you know, accused of making it easier for one beach than another. But I think more than that potential unfairness is that it's less interesting when the same person finds more than one at the same time. Right. I think, you know, first and foremost, this is a an entertaining TV program. It, it, it is a game. Um, I The fairness of the game is not quite paramount so much as the entertainment value it delivers. And there are certainly things that they can do that they've done before. That's the thing is all they have to do is re-employ some previous tactics that they've used to make it at least, you know, roughly so that every player has the same sort of chance to find that idol. Yeah. And maybe it's just something like, you know, they can be hidden in similar ways because almost all idols are, uh, from season to season. So that, that would, you know, I think address the, you know, question of whether it's fair for one tribe versus another. It's just they recently especially gotten into ways of like decorating, like calling attention to where that idol is, you know, whether it's a stamp on a coconut or, you know, a colored string in this season. Maybe just don't do those things because, or, yeah. Pour water on the stand in front of the water thing and you'll find where the idol is, like in Game Changers. That might be what the bigger problem is. Other than that, like, I do think experience will help people anyway because they probably get the feeling of what it feels like to be close to an idol and, you know, producers and cameramen start to get excited. That sort of thing that's unavoidable, but maybe just, like, cut it out with the decorations or vary the decorations. Uh, so, uh, more, specifically for this season how excited are you that dan has two idols (laughs) i you know what dan i think has kind of grown on me a little bit and i it it might be like the halo effect from uh the mayor of slamtown like i i'm okay with dan not like in love with dan but my opinion of him has improved somewhat he's a little more um interesting than i gave him credit for when this season began i did enjoy that he called himself or his former self, 320 pound Dan. I like to think that he's got like various weights of Dan stored in his memory and can recall them at will. Um, this feels more like a 280 Dan type yeah. moment. <laughs> oh man, 250 Dan was not having this. So he's better than I thought. I don't know that I'm super confident that he's going to use these idols in the most effective way, 
but it's not the worst possible place for the idols to be. Well, how about this? What are the chances that he gets his idol nullified when he tries to play it? Uh, I don't have a ton of confidence in Carl is the problem. <laughs> so Yes, I think for that to happen, some, Carl's going to have to let somebody know that he has this thing. Yes. And then they can be like, oh, good, because we all know that Dan has an idol. And that's the one thing where this could really come to play is uh, the fact that Dan has an idol has been a poorly kept secret that I think will get out there to everybody that doesn't yet know it. At least to the point where they're like, people are saying Dan has an idol. And whether to believe that or not, I have to at least approach with caution. That could allow Carl. But yeah, I know. I think the one problem, like I think... Dan himself is all set up to be a victim of this because he's somebody who would be an, a, a, a likely target for a majority of people in a way that it wouldn't even be all that secretive and that people know he has an idol. But yes, the one catch is, uh, I don't know if Carl knows Survivor much. I'm not super confident in Carl, but if people were to relay that information to him, then maybe it happens. Yeah. Or, yeah, like I said, he's talking to Davey or whatever. He's like, oh, man, I found this thing when I went to exile. It's like, oh, perfect. And then, yeah, that's somebody I think could be more likely to do something about it. All right. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since uh, you talked about Survivor, uh, especially since it was almost two weeks since you watched Survivor. That's right. Uh, so let's check in on uh, what, what are you feeling this season? What, what, what sort of things have been interesting you most? What are the stories you're following? Um, I'm, I'm still banking on the potential of the mayor of Slamtown. There, there's been some good stuff, but I feel like there's a star moment coming and I'm very excited for it. Um, I hope it happens next week for reasons that we'll discuss later on in this episode. But in general, I just, I, the, my feeling about this cast is that they're all at worst pretty decent. There are some people that are more interesting than others, but as a general rule, most of them give decent confessionals. Some of them are kind of funny. Some of them are entertaining. Some of them are seemingly strategic. There's a decent mix here, and I don't feel like we're just surrounded by duds in the way that we were in some very recent seasons. Yeah, I still like John, but this wasn't really a John-heavy episode at all. And even last uh, week. Yeah, it was more about Christian. Um, but some of that might be encouraging that like Survivor doesn't feel the need to overexpose him at this point. Uh, that might encourage the idea that he won't be gone very quickly. So that'd be nice. Uh, I'm, I think I'm, I'm ready to call it. I am all in on Christian. I just like what he's giving and, you know, and that includes, you know, his hammy way of you know, remembering to reference the theme when making confessionals, which I think, you know, could rub some people the wrong way. But as somebody who frequently tries to talk about Survivor, I've been known to throw in a few things here or there that might be uh, too clever by half. More is, you know, getting back to that moment of him tagging John out. It's just he's a different kind of nerd than we get in a lot of these, uh, you know, and the archetype that we've gotten in these season is that he seems completely comfortable with who he is and confident in who he is. He's, you know, this is, he's not reliving high school drama, uh, you know, that he dealt with. He's not, you know, a, a ragged ball of nerves like we've seen. You know, he, he certainly has energy, but it almost feels like, like he's the guy who's going to have 
a YouTube series where he explains like robots to kids, <laughs> like just like a like an enthusiast. Yeah, and in earlier days it would have been PBS series, but you know uh, it's 2018. I'm, I can make sure that it be YouTube. Uh, but that's kind of the energy. Like he, he is who he is. He loves who he is. He's loving his time out there in Survivor. He's bonding with people that are you know, different from him. And yeah, I, I'm into it. I'm all in on Christian now. Yeah, and I want. Um Gabby out of the situation that she's in. I think that she's got potential that's just not going to be realized in that tribe that she's in. Um, Nick is set up as someone that I guess will be a villain that I'll enjoy rooting against, but I'm, I'm not quite there yet. I'm really more just kind of bored by Nick. I feel like he's hacky and not all that entertaining. And he seems far too entertained by himself. See, for me, I think uh, the the promise that Nick offers is he's going to try some stuff. And um, I like players who try some stuff. I would be happy if the stuff he tries fails. But, you know, just that, like, I don't feel like he's just going to be somebody who, you know, keeps his head down and, like, I'm going to vote with the majority and what can you do? The numbers were never on my side. So I feel like, yeah, at some point, even if it's just to cure his own boredom, he's going to try some stuff. And I applaud trying stuff. Uh, it's funny because when you first said, I'd like to see Gabby removed and i'm like yeah from the game i'm all in on that so no you were you're on this situation and largely no i don't have an issue with her necessarily but i don't know if i want her uh dragging my man christian down you know i don't want him expanding a lot of capital to protect the 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 insecurities of gabby now if she obviously outgrows those and that's all great but you know i i want you know i want christian to continue to be his christian self uh that that be his name i don't know what his uh, <laughs> particular you know, beliefs on the shaping of our universe are. Um, one thing I'm in on this season is uh, players making poor strategic decisions that align to my viewing interests. That's what's been happening. Like, you know, Alec did not make a great decision, but I was happy he did it. It was probably the right move to keep Natalie. I'm glad Mike didn't want to. You know, like, it's not always that I need uh, Survivor players to play the game well. It's that if they're going to make bad decisions, I want it to be in ways that will increase potential interesting avenues for me, not decrease them. That's all I'm saying. That's I am fine with bad strategy as long as it's good entertainment um i also i feel like there's still some potential left with elizabeth i think she's been better than i expected as a player um i think she's bonded far better with people than i thought she would i thought she would struggle a bit just because she seemed like she had a personality type that wouldn't mesh well with others, but I've been proven wrong. She's done really well so far, so I'm I'm interested to see if that keeps up. It's the cowboy hat, right? You see the cowboy hat and like, oh, she's gonna be somebody who's really interested in chores around camp and like, you know, being playing with the people who deserve to be there. Yeah, and I think she might even intentionally be hiding behind that, but she manages to find things she can bond with people over. And seems to have a pretty solid social game. I, I don't I don't know yet about her strategic chops, but I'm I'm hoping she makes it into the post merge and I get to see how how well she maneuvers through that. She's got a verve. You know, she's got a, a you know, kind of an energy about her that, you know, again, the cowboy hat people often don't have. Right. Uh, um so yeah, I I see those things in her too. Yeah, I mean other than that, um the only things that I can say that I'm like definitively out on are Carl. <laughs> I just, yep. I, I don't feel like it's there. Um, and that's probably 
it. I mean, for the most part, that's the thing is there's, there's not too many threads left in this season that I'm like, oh, please, no more of that. It's, it's been. Nicknames Alliance is probably. Uh, okay. Right. Yeah. I, I, I take that back. Nicknames can just go die. I don't, I don't need those. Especially because he hasn't branded them nicknames. Anyway. Oh. Get out, Mark. If you're gonna do it, just go all the way. No half measures in this hacky garbage. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's one of the appealing things of the season is there's no storylines or players as of right now that I'm like, okay, I'm done. Just get off my screen. I'm done with this. Oh, real quick, that whole nickname thing was a joke that I read somebody else wrote, either in our comments or on our Slack. I wasn't intentionally trying to steal it. It just was in my head, and I have no idea who it was. So, yeah, claim credit if you want it. I'm not trying to steal other people's material. Nor should Especially. you with that one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, uh, so next week, who's going home? We got three tribes to pick from. Uh, let's start with Green. You know, we kept saying they wouldn't lose, but they did lose a challenge, so it could be them. That's true. Um, it seems unlikely that it'll happen again. I, I feel fairly confident that they won't lose. But if they did, it does feel like it would be Gabby. Yeah, I'm still saying it would be Gabby. And, you know, people are like, well, she feels like too big a character. Yeah, it's because it's not going to be them. But I just don't see, after seeing Goliath go down left and right on, you know, either other tribe, they're like, hey, why don't we also surrender any potential numbers advantage to people we don't quite know yet? Because this wouldn't even be just surrendering your numbers advantage within this five. At this point, it would be in the whole game. And if you're, you know, a Dan or a John, you have to know, maybe they don't, but you should know know that um, people are coming for you soon. So you probably should not be handing advantages to a bunch of people you've never even met before, which would be the other non-Gabby Christian uh, Davids. So yes, I agree at Gabby. Um, for Orange, I think it'll be Elizabeth, and I actually think that it might be Elizabeth. Like from, like, I think Orange might be the tribe that's going home, just based on or going to tribal council. And there, it's just like I still don't think Davy and Carl are over what Elizabeth did in the first vote. Yeah, I, she seems the most likely candidate from that group. But just out of pure hope, I'm gonna say Kara. I, I, I don't even really want it to be Kara. I would prefer it to be Alec, to be honest. But I think that um, if it's not gonna be Elizabeth they'd be more likely to get rid of Kara just because Alex seems like the type of uh, useful fool you could keep around. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know why you would vote out Alex. You see him do that and like, hey, yeah, we're good. You probably don't even have to work that hard to keep him as your alliance partner. And why I don't think it's Kara, Kara, however you want to say it, um, is uh, I don't think she's going home before the merge. So I think uh, the, the Dan Kara storyline will be a thing again uh, before the season is out. Uh, so I, that's why. So, I mean, obviously it could be that they don't go to tribal council and that's what saves her, but I, I think it's Elizabeth. Uh, it's just, I also, when you see that two Goliaths have gone out, uh, both your tribe and the other tribe, maybe if you're Davy, it's like, I don't need to do this David thing anymore. It's time for me to, especially because the David thing wasn't working for him. So status quo in keeping, you know, Elizabeth and Lyrsa and Christian and Gabby around wasn't the best move for him if they had never, uh, swapped. So, you know, meanwhile, you've got Kara probably saying that, and I'm, what I'm going to do now is just say it both ways. Just mix it up. I, I appreciate it. Uh, is yeah, saying, I'm going to totally be with you guys. And Alec has kind of already shown that he might be with you. It might be time to try at least something new. Uh, so now we got purple. I liked, by the way, that you, uh, you 
brought up the Kara and Dan storyline just because you're a hopeless romber shipper. Absolutely. I'm, I just want to reignite that magic. Yep. Uh, so purple, uh, Lyrsa, right? I, Angelina. I think, yeah, she, by losing Natalie, she lost, uh, her, uh, position to stick around because at this point, yeah, you vote out Lyrsa because you're, you want to win a challenge. They're not going to make you and do another challenge. There's another swap or merge coming after yep. this. So get rid of Angelina. Um, yeah, unless, uh, Nick. Yeah, and Nick feels like he probably has a connection with Lear, so because they voted together the first time. My thought was more that Mike would be like, look, I, I gotta worry about numbers here. I need Natalie to stick around. Even if we aren't the best of friends, I also don't have a close bond with Lyrsa. So, look, listen, Nick, I did it for you last week. You're doing it for me this week. Right. Yeah, and you know, if it is Angelina, it'll all be because she just had to go and flex and vote out Jeremy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe sometimes you just do the simple move, especially early on. Or more of that, I think just the lesson is, and I'm you know, preaching about a lesson that might not actually come to pass here. Uh, get rid of the tribe cancer as early as possible. You know, you, you, you think, oh, no, it could always be later. There's always, yeah, what else is going to happen later is that person could mess things up for you. You know, I, yeah, I do think Jeremy was somebody to be worried about, but he was also, I think, somebody you could believe would act on his own self-interests, at least to a degree. And I suppose Natalie was too, but look what she did to people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it, right? We're good. Let's wrap this bad bear up. Uh, so, uh, you can follow us on Twitter if you're interested in these red hot takes. Uh, John was back at it, tweeting on the machine, uh, on those, our site's, uh, Twitter handle, which was Purple Rock Pod. I am Purple Rock Andy. I'm Purple Rock John. Our website, of course, is purplerockpodcast.com. And next week, we are going to be having Corey Barker. As my co-host, I'm going to be back again next week. I actually wasn't even supposed to be here this week. Uh, yeah, if you guys don't know who he is, uh, he's been on our show before. Uh, he's been on our show before. He's, you know, done freelance writing out there for the AV Club, Complex, TV Guide, uh, slash TV.com. I think it's the same Did he really do AV Club? Uh, yeah, I, I looked at his CV and it oh. was there. I think that's how we met him, in uh, fact. Man, what a resume that guy has. Yeah, uh, you know what else is on there? If, uh, as I'm a little embarrassed, it's like us. He he puts us there. Oh, uh, you're better than that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> why slum it with us? Come on, that's right. Uh, we invited him on, of course, because uh, he is the uh, one pe- person we know that's into wrestling. So you know, look for a all centric uh, Johnny Mundo episode uh, next week. That's what I hope you guys are going to talk about. Yeah, I want to. I want to make clear that that's entirely the reason that I reached out to him. I was like, hey, listen. There's a wrestler on this season. Um, you like wrestling. Come talk about the wrestler. He's like, all right, yeah, I'll do it. So that's what you're getting next week. Whole lot of Johnny Mundo talk. And what's nice is you did that before we knew we would love the guy. Like, yes. it could have been a disaster. You know, the last person from WWE they brought on was not somebody we would want to talk about ever. Uh, but this time, uh, and you know. Anybody who doesn't know who that is, uh, it's a little trivia question. Uh, leave your answer in comments. Hey, you guys have some kind of voting thing happening next week too, right? Yeah, in various places all across this country, um, if they're still allowing you to have polling places where you live. Some places they're not. It's an interesting story. You should read about it. Um, get out and vote because we've got uh, – actually, I think next week's podcast you'll still have – there's still time. Yeah. By next week, you can still be voting. But hey, if you can early vote, do that. 
because you should, because democracy's cool sometimes. Yeah, and if there's still time to, like, try to clear all the hurdles that your country puts in front of people to prevent them from voting, do those things, you know, check lists and register. I don't know if um, a lot of those are closed. I don't understand these things. I show up and be like, here's my address, and, you know... I put an X on a box. That's how voting simply is for me. Uh, we haven't made it this you know, great complicated thing that, you know, based on ancient technology. I mean, obviously, I guess ancient technology had pen and paper, but that's a pretty reliable one. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't suppose they ask you, like, Wayne Gretzky trivia questions to prove your citizenship or anything when you... No, I, I, I've shown up at places that wasn't even my bowling place, and it's like, hey, you got any mail proving where you live? Yeah, sure, here. All right, good. You're good. Vote. Uh, you know, cause I guess they decide that people being able to vote in a democracy is a good thing. I'll say yes, get out there and vote, unless you're gonna vote the wrong way, in which case stay the fuck home, we don't need you. Uh, <laughs> exactly. No shame in staying home if you're gonna make the bad decision. <laughs> Alright, uh, I think that's good. Should we listen to some music? Let's do it. I want a girl with the right allocations, who is fast and thorough and sharp as a tack. She's playing with her jewelry. She's putting up her hair. She's touring the facility and picking up slack. I want a girl with a short 